0: I really had like no business being in the marathon swim world. I had never done that before. I came from a sprinting background. I maybe did ironmans which were, you know, 2.4. I did one Tahoe swim that was just like in college for fun, but I never really towed the line of marathon swimming and said like I think I deserve a place here. But once I did Catalina, it, it taught me to be like, okay, you, you, you can play in this space. Like, you, you're able to play in this space. But I think a lot of that was just learning what marathon swimming is, and that's like finding that flow.
1: Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and each week we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. People who say things like, I was born to do this, and they're doing it. Well, we've got one of those awesome people with us today. Sabrina Houston, marathon swimmer, Ironman race director, and entrepreneur is here along with her entrepreneur husband and crew chief, Matt, to smack down her most recent feat, the 20 Bridges Open Water Swim around the island of Manhattan. I was tracking her throughout the swim that day, and I had to keep reminding myself that what she was doing was epic because Sabrina was making it look so incredibly easy. Matt was super on point with social media that day, giving us all a front row seat to Sabrina Sabrina's 28-and-a-half-mile truck around the city that never sleeps. We first heard about Sabrina's lifelong love for swimming during Podcast 170 just over a year ago after her Catalina channel crossing. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly suggest you check it out. Beej and I listened to it this afternoon, and it's, oh my God, it's awesome. A battle from the start was basically (laughs) how she described it. So we're super fired up to have these guys with us today. And without further ado, let's dive in. Sabrina and Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. So 20 Bridges. After listening to your podcast from last year, listened to that today, of course, we asked you, what's next? And you were like, I don't know what's next. I think I just need to rest. Like, you were pretty fresh off of that swim when we got you. Uh, So when does 20 Bridges come in as something that is the next
0: yeah, I sat Catalina was a was a tough go. I just it was just a hard day and it was my first one. So I think with anything, the first time you do something, it's a roller coaster because you've never been through it. Um, and then I really just started looking at the Triple Crown and just being, you know, researching people who have done it, looking at their times, looking at their experience. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I think you can really do this. I think if you could put your mind to it, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be challenging but I want to be one of those 250 people in history that have done it. So what's my next step? Um, And then it just seemed logical to do um, Manhattan uh, as the second swim. And then the English Channel as the third swim based upon the popularity of the English Channel. It's typically a two-year wait list. So I knew that I could squeeze in Manhattan and then do the English Channel kind of while I was waiting. Um, But yeah, I just like was like, okay, I've never been to New York. This sounds fun. Um, let's just kind of do this. So then I put in my application and I was like, well, if I don't get accepted, then I don't get accepted and maybe it's not my time, but if I do, then it's a sign and then let's go and hit this hard and swim 28 miles. So what does the application process look like? Like
1: when we were talking to you about Catalina, um, you know, you had this interview online, you had to fill out this quite extensive um, application. The Catalina channel is a shipping lane for huge ships and barges um, carrying freight. And uh, I would assume, though, that the swim around Manhattan
0: is not, you're not the only one in there either. So what did this all look like? The application for Manhattan is is similar to Catalina. It's a little bit easier just because you're circumnavigating the island. So you don't really need medical because you're right there. Um, If anything were to happen, they would just take you to land and then you could you know, do that. So, like, the logistics was a little bit easier because the crew's smaller. Um, but it's almost like an invitation to go, and I didn't realize that it's very competitive to get in. Um, so they were, you know, during the application, it was just like make your application as good as you can because they're only going to select the very top people to get slots. Uh, and I was like, oh, I I didn't know this was such an invitation only. Uh, I've only had like one major marathon swim under my belt. I hope that it's good enough. Um, So, yeah, the application was very similar, though, like medical, fill out a questionnaire. Why do you want to do it? What's your times? Give us your results. And then they let you know, I think it's like three weeks after you submit it, if you were in one of the slots. And traditionally, the way uh, 20 Bridges works or swim around Manhattan Island is what it used to be called. So there's four swim windows Um, And each swim window has 16 swimmers. Um, So my original swim window was swim window number three, which was July 19th. Um, And they typically only do four swim windows because of the tides. You're dealing with three different kind of tides in that. And so they have to time them or else you won't be able to complete the swim around the island. So it's very short amount of windows, which is fairly common for most marathon swims is you have to go with the tides because if, if you don't make the tides, you just won't. Regardless of how good of a swimmer you are, you just won't make it around it. Or to the next side.
2: So they canceled the July one,
3: right? Right. So yeah. then
0: so then we I'm training like the go ahead in like November. Then I have uh Indian Wells year two, which was just a crazy work swamped, you know, working. 80 plus hours a week that finally finishes. And then January 1st, I was going to start training. So I start training January and then the pandemic hits and that just derails the entire, the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
2: Did you go but, there? Did, did you feel that in your mind? Like, Oh, do you like,
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I remember talking to Matt Because my my overall goal, once I decided, okay, the Triple Crown is what I want to do, I then really wanted to do it before I turned 30. Because only a couple, a handful of people have completed it in their 20s. So I was like, okay, this is now my goal. So this added pressure of like, if you don't do Manhattan this year, then you're going to have to do it next year, potentially eight weeks before the English Channel, which wasn't going to be the most ideal time frame. It's been done before, but just knowing my body and knowing how I wanted to train, I really didn't want to sandwich a 28.5 mile swim up against a 21, 23 mile swim. Um so yeah, so once training for training for 20 bridges, like March comes around, go go to the pool, was doing like three hour swims and then the next day like pool closed, beach closed, complete shutdown. Um and I just looked at Matt and I said, I don't I don't know how I'm gonna do this on a Vasa trainer. He said, well, until they cancel it, you have to keep training. Yeah, so, man. yeah.
3: <laughs> I would never tell my wife that she has to do anything. <laughs> I know better than that.
0: <laughs> but um, so then it was like, okay, let's shift gears and figure out how to do this without any water. And I just kept thinking, like, I don't know how I'm going to swim 28 miles and not have a pool or a beach to be able to swim in. This is this is insanity. Uh, and then about... I think I was trained for about two weeks and then, um, 20 Bridges sent me an email saying that it was going to be canceled and, um, being a race director myself, like safety above all, like that's, I a hundred percent respected that. And I knew like, okay, they're just trying to keep us safe. And New York was hit really hard. So they were like, we just don't see how this is going to happen this year. We're really sorry. Um, you know, like apply for next year. And, you know, that that's kind of what it was. Um, And at the very bottom of that email or maybe an email I got a little bit later, it was like, we might have some fall spots open if you're interested. So I kind of kept that a little bit in the back of my mind being like, well, maybe there's a chance in the fall I'll be able to, you know, to make this happen. Um, But there was a whole month there where I didn't touch water like the beaches were closed, the swimming pools were closed, San Diego had the red tide. I mean, you just like couldn't catch a break on training. And so it was like, well, you know what, maybe, maybe this isn't supposed to happen this year. And if it doesn't, then we'll just regroup and try for next year and we'll just go for that.
3: And it kind of ended up working out the best because your results on this were so much better anyway. So you went in a little under-trained, but you overperformed. So.
0: Yeah. I, so I got the green light. They, I emailed them and said, you know what? I, I think I really want to do this. And she said, okay, when will you be ready to swim 28 miles? And I said, well, no time soon. <laughs> I haven't swam in a month. Um, maybe end of August, that was going to be like, I think at that point it was like 10 or 11 weeks away. Um, and she wrote me back and she said, August 20th, I'll give you the slot. And I said, Okay, so eight weeks. We have eight weeks until we're going to swim around Manhattan, and we're just going gonna to figure out how to do this safely, and training starts Monday. So eight weeks. So we're talking
1: end of June. Were you able to get into the – because we have this amazing lagoon here uh, where um, – there's buoys and everything and that was it was kind of like the secret lagoon like nobody was really talking about it except for those who were down there and they saw each other uh, but then it, it got shut down like the word got out that people had, I'm not going to say we because I wasn't swimming there um, <laughs> just because I'm not saying like <laughs> yeah. I wasn't swimming there because I was following the rules I wasn't swimming there because I was um, the didn't want to get in my wetsuit <laughs> yeah. yeah. anyway um But they kind of found out about it. I don't know who they is, but they kind of found out about it, and they shut it down, and the signs were up and all of that. But it wasn't for long. No. But before you got that email that you had eight weeks left, or you were eight weeks out, had you been in the open water because yeah. I think at that point yeah. we had we were able to get into the ocean, we could use the beaches actively.
0: Yeah, I think we were, I had a full month where it was like I didn't touch water because I remember posting on Instagram saying today's the first time in like 32 days, obviously I was counting, 32 days that I haven't touched the water, which had been the most of my entire life. I'd never gone 30 something days without being in the water since I was like six Um, and so we were still swimming, um, the lagoon was closed. So my training partner, Joe and I were driving down to mission Bay to do some swims down there. And I had originally kind of refocused and been like, okay, I'll do the U S masters open water series. Like that'll still give me something to do. They have like a 10 mile one. Uh, it's not like plan a, but plan B it'll keep me in shape. And this year I really wanted to get fast. Like that was my goal was to just build speed. Um, so we were going down there and training and then all of those got canceled. And so we were like, well, maybe we'll just casually keep swimming, you know, and then the lagoon opened back up. And so we were swimming there probably like four days a week. By, by this point, the pools, I don't think were open yet. So we were still swimming, nothing crazy, maybe like three Ks every, you know, four days a week or something like that, but enough to be like, okay, if we need to jump into training, like I'm not going to get hurt. It's going to be definitely a, a really steep incline on training, but we we can make it happen so and i just wanted it so bad that i was like i don't i can suffer for however many like times it's going to take me to get to Manhattan. If I get to Manhattan, I win. I just need to get there. So are you, were you working with a coach this time leading into it? No, Matt, Matt and I, uh, we do all of like my own coaching and I have a mentor, Rendy, who talks to me about the logistics of it. Um, so she'll, you know, give me some pointers as far as like title changes I need to be aware of or kind of areas that get really narrow and kind of washy. So she helps me on the logistics of that, but no, we did all of my own training, um, this year and just just, you know, we're conservative on it because I knew my goal was like eight hours for the swim with the with the tides. Um, and so I said, if I have like the best day of my life, I'll get eight hours. Realistically, I was shooting for like 830. So in the training, we were like, okay, I'm going to train up to six hours. And it's, you know, maybe two and a half is going to be a little bit on the stretch, but it, it'll be what it'll be. And we'll just get through it. I'd rather go under train than get hurt and then be hurt during, during the swim. So, yeah.
2: In the time that year, <clears throat> that there was no swimming whatsoever, like, because I think this is valuable information for someone who is trying to achieve a big goal like this. How, what did your training look like? I know you said, mentioned the VASA trainer, but. Yeah. Were you on the bike too, or how did that? Yeah, I wanted to keep my love. cardio
0: up because that was going to be a big thing was just I needed to make sure that my cardio was still there, that I didn't, like, really let that lap. So it was um, inside cycling, I was doing that a, a good amount, um, going for, like, some, maybe, like, some jogs, not crazy. I was still lifting, like, two to three times a week, still doing my yoga. Um, I was doing the VASA trainer probably, like, three or four times a week. Essentially doing the same sets that I would do in the pool, but just translating them to the VASA trainer uh, and just doing them that way. So it wasn't like the most ideal, but it was kind of splitting hairs at that point. And I was like, well, if I need to translate this to water, like my muscles are at least I'm using the muscles that I will be using for swimming and band work and things like that.
2: It's so cool you had a VASA trainer because I think a lot of people, I mean, I got online just to look for swim bands. Or the tether and they were like all sold out like during that time because things were getting like.
3: You should uh, own a bike shop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you
3: can do things like that.
0: <laughs> it was so funny because I got my VASA trainer. I was picking up stand up paddle boards for Indian Wells for the first year and I went to Xterra to pick them up. Um, And they had this beautiful brand new VASA trainer, um, like the ERG one. And they're usually like well over $2,000 and it's like brand new. And I'm like, do you guys ever use that? It's just sitting there. And they were like, no, since we closed the retail portion of, you know, Xterra, we we don't use it. And I said, well, are you interested in selling it? And the guy's like, well, let me talk to the owner. I mean, maybe. Um, So I I just threw out a number. I was like, how about like 800 bucks? And he's like, the next day he emailed me and said, yeah, come and get it. And I was like, okay. And then I show up with this giant, I mean, they're big. They're like seven feet, seven and a half feet long. And I show up and Matt goes, where are we going to put that? <laughs> like, we'll just put it in the store. Like, well, it'll fit. Um, and so, yeah, it just lives in the training room of the store now. And yeah, I was on it like three, three, four times a week. I'd show up before the store opened because it gets a little loud. It's almost like a wind machine. Um, so, yeah, I would just do like hour, hour on it in the morning. And then I just would do that several times a week. And it wasn't... Like I said, that wasn't like the greatest thing, but I definitely think that it helped. It kept me mentally like, okay, you're swimming, and I was boring, and I usually didn't listen to music, so I was still like kind of training my mind to just be uncomfortable in the space for like an hour at a time or an hour and a half at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 20 Bridges, what are some of the unique challenges? I know you talked a little
1: bit about the tides, um, but what are some of the unique challenges of that, that
0: open water swim? Yeah, 20 Bridges is... Um, kind of cool because you swim around New York, which is just so, there's so much hustle and bustle of New York. Um, but with that comes a lot of boat traffic on the Hudson and the Harlem. And I think the East you also swim in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so typically there's a lot of boat traffic in there. So the water, uh, and it gets pretty narrow, especially in the Harlem, you're not looking at more than maybe like two, two traffic lanes or so
3: maybe maybe like maybe like 200 yards probably.
0: Yeah and so you get a couple of uh, boats in there and it gets super rocky. So um, that was kind of a, a hard thing was that there's a lot of surface chop for that. Um, and then as well as the really big like cargo, the Staten Island ferry, I mean when you swim next to that you don't it's a building on its side. you don't realize how big it is and the wakes that it creates um, is definitely you're in a washing machine for a while even af- after it passes you. So the water moves kind of differently because you are um, coming into so many different elements. Uh, but there's also tides. so you feel like you're going slow. And the whole time I have this mental kind of... I'm going too slow, I'm going to miss the tides. I've, I've never swam against tides before, Catalina a little bit, um, but this was like a tidal change that you're rushing, and they're like, if you miss the tides, we will pull you from the water. So the whole time, you don't know the distance that you're at. You can kind of in your head know around the island where you're at, but you don't know the time. So I was just swimming, scared the whole time, thinking I'm going to miss the tides. Um, so having the tidal change and kind of the rough water. Um, is unique. And a lot of people um, have trouble with the water because it's warm, which coming from a pool background for me, I I love warm water. Like that's definitely my space where I thrive. Um, But a lot of people who are really good in the cold water have trouble with the warm water because they get cramps um, and they overheat, things like that. So for me, that was actually like a positive, but for a lot of people, they talk about how they don't like the hot water because they have trouble dissipating their heat and then they get too hot and yeah. When we were talking about Catalina on our last
1: podcast, you were talking about the cold water and how you got to this point where you were just like, all right, I just need to befriend this. Like, it's going to be, it's it's the truth of this experience and I just need to make it my friend. And so you were sharing strategies and things that you did. Was there anything about 20 Bridges that you had to befriend that was unique to that race?
0: yeah the um the surface chop I knew was going to be uh, a little bit more difficult because when you're siding or you're breathing from your side, getting that water in your mouth, and everyone always tells you like do not swallow the water there and so I was just I was just like, do not under any circumstance get water in your mouth and swallow it like so I was just trying to be super careful the whole time. but I would swim in the lagoon in the afternoon when the wind kicks up. Um, just to get used to that surface chop because you don't, you know, in the ocean you don't really have it as much um, but just really that wind kind of just slaps you especially when you're siding to like one side. So I practice that um, a lot and then it's during the day so I just also practice sometimes siding into the sun um, because that's a, th- a thing that you do and so you can sometimes it gets you kind of like a headache and so I just practice making sure that I was comfortable swimming in that kind of lighting.
3: <clears throat> we also had to kind of experiment with different types of sunscreen because Sabrina comes from um, Irish-German descent and it's a lot of sun. So through some of her training swims, she came back and she was like so red, like fire truck like red. Lobster. And so we would, so I don't know, you probably went through like four or five different sunscreen options before you found like the zinc stuff that really worked. I mean you looked You like can't you get had it like, off. You were like painted white, yeah. but it but it totally worked.
0: Yeah, it so. looked like somebody was painting a white fence and then I yeah. the just stood there. But
3: I mean that was definitely something that you didn't experience in Catalina because it was predominantly at night and then you had it was overcast in the day. Yeah. Whereas this one was almost complete sun exposure. The whole time. And uh yeah. So I think that was probably. It one was of the- though.
1: I mean, looking at those videos, the sky was blue. I was oh, there thinking was about there was in the, the cloud
3: like the whole time.
1: Yeah, and she couldn't wear a hat like yours. I <laughs> got the Matt was representing o- Oceanside, California, with this I- big.
3: I went and got, like, the cheesiest, most tourist hat.
1: Totally. I was thinking was, that when I saw it.
3: And we're, <laughs> we were terrified when we went there. Like, oh, no, they're going to know that we're from California. The whole time I'm wearing a hat, that says Oceanside, California on it. Like, I might as well just have, like, a neon sign over my head, like... I'm not from here, in case anyone was wondering.
0: You had such like a deluxe setup. You had tour guide Bonnie. She was telling you all about the island. You were staying on a boat. That's great. You had the sun on you. I mean, it was a good day for you. That's right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It looked like it was a good day for you too, Sabrina. Um, I want to back up to when you found out that there was eight weeks to go and you had this base i mean you kept the momentum going clearly yeah. you did what you could do even in the unknown of if it was even going to happen so how did you kind of put that frosting on the foundation of what you had already done in those last 8 weeks to prepare you for this i know you said you came in a little undertrained but what did
0: the the training look like in that yes. last 8 weeks so 8 weeks it was like uh, i think we found out on like a friday so we had until monday to prepare the training plan. And we just like blocked it off and said, okay, how, what can we safely bump up the yardage to, to where it's like, okay, I'm going to be able to, to swim this and not get hurt. Um, and it was really just like eight weeks. So the way that my training typically works is a two week kind of build and then one week recover. And so right off the bat, I think my first swim, kind of long swim was like two and a half hours. Then I think it went like two and a half hours and the next week, three and then a gap week and then four, four and a half and then a gap week and then like five. So it was just very like right on top of the, the long swims, just trying to build them up an hour each week is kind of what I could safely do. And what was the biggest one you did? Six hours. In the lagoon. In the lagoon. B.J., what do you laps. want to say about
1: that?
2: So, I think I was there. In I think the... you've
1: done six loops once. I was going to say how, how many how laps
2: was that, Sabrina?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like 30.
2: Yeah, 30. so I've done six, and that's my which max. is
1: actually a pretty solid swim.
2: That's a, yeah, yeah. A really solid. <laughs> going around in
3: circles. It's like a thousand yard, (laughs) give or take square, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, you mentally, it mentally challenges you because there's not a lot to look at. You're looking at kind of the same thing, but it does allow me to get into kind of a rhythm as far as like, I just need to just follow the buoys. And, you know, so you're not really like sighting, you know, you're not like looking for like wildlife or looking for like kayakers or anything like that. I just kind of watch out for swimmers. Um, but it allows me just to kind of get into that rhythm and that meditation that if I can slip into, the time goes by really fast. Um, but sometimes it just, if I'm, there's a lot of distractions, it's hard to get into that. And then you're just kind of fighting boredom the whole time or you're not getting in your rhythm or every week towards the end of the swim, it was it was really hard because I hadn't had that you know oh yeah i'd only I'd only bumping up my swim 30 minutes sometimes i was like oh i'm bumping out my swim an hour and a half from my last long swim like that's a really big jump um but i was just like well just take it easy you don't have to go fast uh, and we'll just you know as long as you don't get hurt that's going to be the biggest thing like you know don't gosh forbid do not get covid and do not get hurt like two biggest things because you'll not be able to allow swim and if you get hurt or if you get sick in these Like eight weeks, like there goes your window. You you won't get your shot. There's there's no room for error leading into the swim. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a, I mean, there really is a lot kind of hinging,
1: right? Because if you don't get, if you don't make this window, then you're looking at next year. Then you're looking at pressing into that goal of doing this before you're thirty. So if you look at all of that at once, it's like oh, way too much, too much.
2: The obstacles are limited in the in the lagoon, but you're spending a lot of time with yourself. You don't Mm -hmm. probably don't have music on in your. In your mind, although you're probably singing Taylor Swift every now and then.
0: I love her. And she just released an album, which was like, it was just like a gift. Like she released a secret album right when I was starting training back up again. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Now I have like 10 hours of Taylor Swift that I can sing. Like I can finish this in 10 hours. I mean, Matt's
2: got to appreciate Taylor. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm.
0: you really do. You like sing it, like you know all the words and stuff. Album back to back.
2: Yeah.
3: It was a a true gift true gift.
1: So what do you do? That you continue, like look the get. lyrics up online and then
0: like rehearse them, put them on index cards? It's kind of the, the funniest thing. I think when you get into like this like meditative space, you can almost like hear the song in your head. And so I was just like, I just know the title of it. And so I would just go like line by line by line and just sing it. What? <laughs> Matt's laughing at her.
3: When you connect with Taylor, like Sabrina does. <laughs> You don't need lyrics on a page. You are those lyrics.
0: Come on, Jess. Yeah. I love her. I love her so much. Um, But I can just like, if it's quiet enough, I can just kind of really hear like the music. And it doesn't have to just be her, but any like artists that I'm really into. And so I'm able to just like almost sing the whole song. So that's like three and a half minutes right there. Um, and then I just kind of repeat them or go three, down and, half, three and a half minutes out of a out out of six, six hours a six
1: hours swim.
2: So so you're almost there. Breathing becomes automatic. <laughs> yeah. Your stroke becomes automatic and automatic, I'm talking about flow where you're really not thinking about those things which are moving you forward and allowing you to stay alive, the breathing. Mm-hmm. did that take Does that take? Okay, Let me back up. Was there a time when that's the stuff that you would focus on that you would bring attention to?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the the more, as I be became more of a, a marathon swimmer, and that was a space that I was really nervous jumping into because I really had like no business being in the marathon swim world. I had never done that before. I came from a sprinting background. I maybe did Ironmans, which were, you know, 2.4. I did one Tahoe swim that was just like in college for fun, but I never really towed the line of marathon swimming and said like, I think I deserve a place here. But once I did Catalina, it, it taught me to be like, OK, you 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 can play in the space like you, you're able to play in the space. But I think a lot of that was just learning what marathon swimming is. And that's like finding that flow and like relaxing enough to being like, OK, you know, I'm going to think about my stroke, but I'm not going to just obsess over it. I'm going to just let it go. And pretty soon it becomes routine. Same with breathing. I began noticing, OK, when I swim at this level i need to breathe more or less and it's like okay i need to just kind of find a zone where it's like this is my perfect rhythm this is my perfect breathing um and then you just don't think about it all the time you obsess over it and i think it just allows you to just like relax all my energy is going into like my pole and making sure i'm moving as much water as possible and being the most efficient as possible Um, and that just comes with a lot of like technique work uh, and just Making sure that I was doing like everything I could to just be like as efficient as possible, and that just takes really like just years of, of practice and pool training and just swimming.
2: So coming from a sprint background, which is probably power,
0: mm-hmm. I'm,
2: I'm assuming there's some there's some, you know, some uh, stroke yeah. technique stuff. But but was it a tough transition? Because I, I I'm noticing I'm swimming and meeting up with a lot of pool swimmers who did short distance and now they're doing Ironman and open water swimming. And there's a, there's a tweak to their stroke. There's a efficiency that you talk about.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a different stroke. If you were to look at video of me sprinting in high school versus the way that I swim now, you would think that they were two completely different people. The, the rhythm with my kick is a little bit different. Um, the way the, the shoulder rotation that I do is a little bit different. Uh, there's a lot of kind of differences just to become the most efficient. Like if I really want to do power and go fast, I'm going to pull a lot more water because I don't have to do it for a long time. But if I'm in, you know, in the long distance swimming, I want to, you know, glide a little bit more, but I also just want to have a really efficient pull. Um, not something that I'm going to have to use a hundred percent of my energy to pull, but kind of like a really good medium of like 80%. Um, and not enough to get my heart rate so high that I can't do my typical three breath thing. In sprinting, I usually breathe every like two or really you're taught to only breathe one time per 50. Um, so that's way different than marathon swimming. You would never want to like hold your breath for any extended amount of time. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a very different stroke. It's almost like I was relearning how to swim when I was learning to to swim Catalina. And that took a long time to just, I had to really just focus on my technique all the time. And that's just like a lot of mental energy. It's very frustrating. But once I kind of got that down and that became my normal stroke, then I just was able to get that stroke faster, which is what I wanted to do this year, was really just get faster at that comfortable marathon rhythm. Tell us about your nutrition station that you had in the open water oh, during dog. these
1: Yeah, during these epic swims. It was so <laughs> cool cuz if not you would have had
0: to go to land or have another person there with all your nutrition with you. Yeah. One of the hardest parts about marathon swimming Um, And open water swimming in general is you never want to swim alone, right? But the cool thing about the lagoon is there's always people there. There's either swimmers there or kayakers there. Um, So what that allows me to do is really be able to do my training there and not have to always have like a training partner or always have to like, you know, try to figure out logistics of how I'm going to get a kayak to the water, who's going to kayak with me, who has time to do a five hour, you know, swim on a a Friday, which is kind of like days I like to do. Um, So my training partner, Joe, uh, came up with this idea. Last year I used a buoy um, and would tie it, you know, like put a weight and do that. But the problem with the buoy is you have to unroll it every single time. And it's just, it takes forever. It takes like a minute or two. And by that point you're want to practice fast feeds. Um, And so he just built this boogie board and put like buckets on top of it. Um, and we named it Doug because we were like, what do we name this thing? Like a floating aid station. And I was like, no, we should just name it kind of like a person. So when people are like, oh, who are you going with? We're like, oh, Doug and Joe, I'm going to meet them at the lagoon. And so people are always looking for this mysterious dog. And then we're like, oh no, Doug's the floating aid station. Um, and he has like a little note on him that says like, hi, my name is Doug. I feed my marathon <laughs> swim friends, you know, don't move me. I, I cause no harm or something like that. Like kind of something very comical. Um, But yeah, it allows us to just swim up, take our bottles, take our nutrition, leave it there and go. And that way we're not like, you know, none of the gels get out or anything like that. And so it's just very self-contained and it really opened it up for like just making it a lot easier logistically. Do you feel like your nutrition in training
1: was, I I know we had talked about last time, I just think that these two experiences, like obviously Catalina was such a huge foundation for this swim. And you know, where you're going from here, but you had talked about just, you know, you were drinking like three insurers a day and buying them by bulk and, you know, really um, combating this just exhaustion. So how was nutrition this
0: time around? So I found the biggest thing for me is my metabolism is just really fast. Um and so last year I was only able to swim 15 minutes before I needed to fuel. So a big thing this year for me was like I just need to fuel every 30 minutes. So I need to find a way to get enough calories in to where I can bridge that gap of 15 minutes so I'm only fueling every 30, which would cut my feed time in half, which is huge when you extrapolate it out for 12 hours or, you know, 8 hours whatever it is. Um so I started using Spiz which we, um, which I've used before on the bike and didn't really love it, but I was like, well, let's just give it a try. And if you don't like it, we don't like it, but I loved it. And it worked really well for me. Um, so I started incorporating that and that was 250 calories a serving. Um, so I would take that, uh, every 30 minutes and then I would take like a gel on the hour, or I would take an applesauce on the hour and that feed regimen, worked really really well I think I just allowed me to swim for a little bit longer the 30 minutes versus the 15 which it's easier to find your rhythm if you're able to swim a little bit longer Um, and then I was just getting more calories in and and I went back and forth with Matt a lot on this like I think I'm having too many calories 315 hours is a lot Um, and then Matt was just kept saying like are you hungry are you getting GI upset and I was like no I'm stronger than I've ever been he's like then don't mess with it it works for you just keep it
3: Spiz is a Spiz is a drink by the way. Uh it's like one of the biggest issues last year with Catalina which we very quickly learned not necessarily for training for Catalina because you weren't doing in retrospect probably enough like open water like tumultuous water training but in as soon as we started doing the actual swim last year you just you and solid food were just not going to be a thing. Like it was just not working out. So this Spiz is is like a
2: <clears throat>
3: I mean it's like a It's just a drink. It's a powder that you put in a drink. So by doing powder and gels and applesauce, you really never had like anything, like applesauce being the thickest consistency, anything I think was a big factor in you being able to up the calories that much, which is kind of what contributed to like the, like not running out of energy. Like when you finished New York, you like did like a water polo jump out of the water where you- I was pretty excited. (laughs) Like when you finished Catalina- we, you wore two beanies and like laid there on the brink of death. So it was much different. It
1: was very cold, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I think like 3 you're saying like 300, 350 calories. Yeah, 350. I feel like that feels right for yeah. what you're doing. I, th- I think actually what we see a lot of is athletes are not taking in enough calories per hour, especially during these long endurance races.
0: I mean Yeah, I think for some reason like the the number two fifty always sticks in my head like oh that's as much as you can absorb but just after training with 350 I just felt so much better. And I was like 250 is is like yeah the the base base. 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 should be the base. Yeah.
2: What about water or water was just the water bottle from the... F-
1: well, that's spizz. the other, the
3: other mm-hmm. thing I was just going to say is like the, the benefit to going to a more liquid-based diet is it almost forces you to drink eight ounces of water each time, which in this case, it was a hot swim. So you were also, while upping your calories, you were also upping your hydration. Yeah. So almost on accident, but...
0: And yeah. I take in water um, every hour when I take the gel or the applesauce, so I would also get just pure water there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think just just having a year of like nutrition as far as like what worked and what didn't, I was able to just really hone in my nutrition, which I think is is a I mean it's just a huge thing for endurance athletics is how are you going to fuel yourself over all all this time because that can really make the wheels fall off and be like if you don't have the energy to do this like you're no matter how good shape you are it you're done in the water. You're going to get pulled. Yeah.
2: No matter what training you do, if you're not fueling yourself yeah. for, the, for that experience on a race day, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And if you don't pace yourself properly yeah, and if you don't have a strong mi- mindset, like, yeah. it yeah, doesn't matter it what training you do. I mean, yeah. all that has to be checked off.
0: And I wasn't, for Catalina, I was so sick going over on the boat ride because the water was just so rough that I was just like, almost like, what was I just like kind of... I'm not like puking the whole time for Catalina, but I was like dry heaving the whole time.
3: Uh, you you started the swim seasick. Yeah. And then you got in the sea. Yeah. And then.
0: It got for lost. 23 miles. That was yeah, that <laughs> And was, continued to and be sick. And continued to sea.
3: be sick for a large
0: amount of time. <laughs> so it was like amazing to do the swim and not feel sick to my stomach, which I felt the whole time for Catalina because I was just so seasick. And I think Matt did a post that was really funny one time and you were like, she has, to, what did it say? It was like.
3: I think it was something like she hasn't yelled at anyone and <laughs> she hasn't even made any mean faces. I don't know this woman anymore. Yeah, I stand by my words.
0: <laughs> yeah. So like you're like, yeah, she hasn't thrown up or she hasn't yelled or she hasn't cried. I don't even know this woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and at one just, point you were like, this is getting boring.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I, and I want to get into this one, but one more piece of the nutrition is outside of
0: the training. Mm-hmm. I mean, just keeping up in the calories. Did you yeah. find any magic magic brews still doing the insurers i kind of switched uh Trier joe's has this really good smoothie that's like 320 calories so i actually like switched to those because they're just a little bit there's healthier for you um and i like them and so i was just taking more like protein shakes but i think the real i only had eight weeks so everything was so consolidated in those eight weeks it was like you have to do every single thing that you can do like no complaining like I don't care like you need to eat this meal you need to have a snack you you only have to do this for 8 weeks just need your attention for 8 weeks and then we can go back to normal life. So it was really it was much easier than like a typical like 8 month every week being like oh I'm just getting really fatigued I'm getting really hungry I'm getting really broken down. I didn't really have that. I was just kind of like pedal to the metal fast as you can go keep going.
2: Where do donuts come to, come into oh, play? My God,
0: I love donuts.
2: <laughs> They come into every part of the life, <laughs> even in this eight-week cram. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: I think we had donut Thursdays. Every Thursday we would get donuts, uh, which is like my favorite day because it's a rest day and I get donuts. Um, and my swim bag is, is has donuts on it. It's just a really good. I love donuts. <laughs>
3: Those are donuts. In case you can't understand, Uh, Sabrina doesn't know how to say the word donuts, even though it's her favorite food. So it's donuts. In case anyone's wondering,
1: what does she call them?
3: They're they're donuts. (laughs) It's it's either it's either a a soft I, maybe a lower, maybe an E. We're not really sure. It's donuts. You're my favorite.
0: (laughs) And the goods here in Carlsbad is just amazing. And he actually, um, the gentleman who owns it is a cyclist and came into the store one time and uh, was like, oh yeah, I own this donut shop in Carlsbad and it's called The Goods. And I was like, wait, you, you own that? <laughs> I'm like, that's my, that's my favorite place. And he was like, oh, do you go there? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a regular every Thursday. We're there in the morning. And he was so funny. He was like, oh, I'll have to bring you one sometime. I just fangirled him. I thought that was like really funny that he, I actually got to meet him. Or that he thought that one would be enough. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: he did well. bring one. And I was like, where's the rest? Where's the rest? <laughs> like yeah. there's six of these. <laughs> um, so, OK,
1: so here you are eight weeks out. Training's going good. Like it seems like you learned a lot. Put it from the year before, put it into action. But now you're going to New York and they're saying that you can come and all of that. But how is that? How does that all work for you?
0: Yeah, I feel like we were, it was like the walls were closing in on us. Like we're running to the destination and just the walls just kept getting closer and closer being like COVID was, they were starting to do lockdowns again. They were starting to implement screenings. They were starting to have you do health forms. Um, And so we were like, we need to just get in there and get out of there as quickly as possible. Follow the rules that they said, you know, like you're only allowed to go out for food. You need to wear a mask at all times. You need to stay in your hotel room. And so we were gonna, we did all of that, but it was just like, get in, do the swim, leave. There was no like, typically I like to take like, you know, a couple days, relax, you know, let yourself settle in. But it was just, I had one day before the swim and then I woke up on Thursday, we walked to um, the start cause we didn't want to take an Uber and then we just swam. I mean, it was in, out of there as quickly as you can. It was in the whole COVID with flying was just so different and it just felt really kind of uneasy leading into the swim. But all of these feel uneasy because they're all different. So it's like, I kept telling myself, like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. I'm like, I don't think you've ever done this before. So exactly how is it supposed to be? So I just kept telling myself, you don't, don't expect anything. And if you get to the start line, it's going to be a win. We just need to get there. It's part of the process. Just keep moving forward. As long as we keep moving forward. So, how did it feel to get to the start line and um, and not have to jump in in the middle of the night? Like, mm-hmm. I think the day, I think Manhattan really played to my strengths, and I think every swim of the triple crown is very unique because it brings up kind of fears of people, and it so it just kind of plays on those. And I think for Manhattan it just really played to my strengths. Like a river swim or a lake swim, I'm definitely stronger in. I'm just not as big of a person, so I can just propel myself better in kind of calmer water. The water was warm, which I'm very good at. My muscles perform better in in warmth. Um, And so it was just like, okay, this is going to be just better. It's during the day. There's not a huge time change. The English Channel is going to be really weird because you're looking at like a nine-hour time change, and it's going to be potentially at night. So I was just very relieved being like, I start at 9 a.m., which is so late normally I'm up normally like three o'clock in the morning eating breakfast but we woke up at like 6 a.m. and we're like oh cool, three hours to start so we're just I mean it was very kind of almost surreal waking up that morning because it was just so calm and before it was started at nine o'clock that's like a late like people don't even start work at nine and I'm starting at nine <laughs> so
1: I think they do start work around nine
0: or nine oh, I always
1: feel like it's like eight <laughs> maybe like six thirty. True, truly spoken by an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I mean, people aren't at work at nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very true.
0: Especially not in New York City. They're at work at 6 a.m. City that never sleeps. <laughs> but in COVID, the coffee shops don't open until, mm. was it like eight o'clock? So we so were that like. was
3: like probably one of the biggest uh, Was that the biggest challenge of the 20 For reals swim? was, for, because, because of everything going on, I mean, the morning of the swim was what, Friday? Was it Friday? morning? Thursday? March? Thursday? I mean, I I was given the task, which was very much self-serving as well as it was for Sabrina, of getting coffee that morning. Um Important. and the only option available was the Duncan. So we had we had some Dunkin'. Uh I mean, I, I love me some classy coffee, but I was willing to do what needed to be done. And so we got some Dunkin' and uh They opened yeah. late. But it too. was like I mean, I was the only person there. It was super quiet on the street. Is a trip.
1: Have you had Dunkin' Donuts before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you we're not
3: quite, you know, we're not quite as familiar as you Northeasterners. You but, were able uh, to, like,
1: I can't drink it. I oh, can yeah. BJ and oh. I used to, when we were dating, we had Friday morning dates at, at Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts. Donuts.
3: Oh, I love that. Oh, that's, that's, great. that's
1: pretty, yeah, yeah, before we went to not our anymore. corporate jobs. No, but yeah. I had it. My sister brought me one last year when we were home. She's like, I brought you a Dunkin'. I was like, oh, God. Ugh. And that was the same reaction I had when I took a sip. I, it just tasted like dirty water. But that might have been a good prep for you, Sabrina, for the day <laughs> for the Hudson. <laughs> when it's the only
3: option, it becomes a lot better.
0: Yeah, I
1: mean. that's true. That's true. Gratitude gets acute. That's right.
0: Yeah. So the weather looked good. Um, yeah, it rained the day before. The day before, I was I I was having trouble eating, kind of, and it rained, and so I was like, Oh, are we gonna have a rain delay? Um, and so I was just like, I didn't really want to eat. Matt was like, you need to eat. You need to fuel. I was like, I really only want pizza, which is incredible there. I was like, can I just eat pizza? Like, I just need carbs. He's like, no, you need more. Like, get a breakfast sandwich, get some coffee in you. Um, but the the day of, the weather was like as perfect as you as you could want it. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. It wasn't super windy. The water was like 78, about. I think,
3: I think when you started, it was like, 74 and then it got up to like 79 80 at one point i think
0: yeah i do remember one point being like oh it's like a little bit warm um but it never felt super hot to me Mm. but it felt good and then yeah it was just like killer weather the water was like perfect the tides were like perfect i don't think if you if i did that swim again i don't think i could have gotten like all of the pieces put together as perfectly i think you only have kind of one of these like magical swims because there's just so much going into that like once in a lifetime. And I feel like that's what my Manhattan swim was to me. It was just like the swim of the lifetime.
3: You you had a, you know, want to shout out to the, the New York open water peeps. Oh, like, so great. The, the, the boat captain she had was awesome. He was like Johnny on Adam. the spot with like blocking her when other boats were around and, and keeping pace. Her kayaker was awesome. Sabrina has a tendency for being someone who swims tremendous distances, she is one of the worst sighters of all time. Like she swims like a heavily intoxicated person (laughs) and her kayaker was like, I warned him. I was like, dude, this is what she does. She's gonna bump the kayak. If you need to hit her, we understand, she understands it's not even a big deal. But he didn't want to do that because he's a nice person and whatever. So that's like you just so, take
0: the row and you just kinda move yeah. her in the side. And he's like, I don't want to do that. So she's so used to it.
3: This guy is a hero. He tied his he tied his uh he tied his uh oar to the side of the kayak and he hand paddled for probably twenty-four of the twenty-eight miles. This guy is literally just pushing himself along in like he's in a river kayak, so they're they move a little better than than Ocean. beach kayaks, but like I mean, he hand paddled for almost the entire thing because of this. So the crew, like, definitely set you up for success. Obviously, you had to do the hardest work, but, like, yeah, yeah, it was was a solid crew.
1: And that was a crew that was put together
0: for you by the um, New York Open Water Association? So typically they allow you to have, I think it's, like, three or four crew members on the boat, and then they supply the kayaker... Um, Because the kayaker needs to know the island and kind of where to put you that's safe um, because there is, like, boat traffic. Um, And then you have two safety boats. Um, You have you, and then you have another boat that kind of patrols around you. And they just make sure that the two boats work together to make sure that you're safe from whatever is really coming at you. Um, And then the observer and she makes sure or he makes sure that you're following all of the, like, typical marathon rules. And remind us of the marathon rules again. So you're not allowed to wear a wetsuit. You can only wear uh, one cap, pair of goggles. You uh, cannot touch the boat or the kayak or get out at any time. I think those are pretty much like the, the big ones. Um, you have to keep a certain stroke rate, which they normally don't aren't super big on, like really enforce it as long as you're moving forward and making progress, things like that. So when they say you can't touch the boat, like what happens if you...
1: You know, if your sighting skills aren't up to par, and you yeah swim you, into the
0: boat, if you touch the boat like on like you don't mean to, it's okay. It's more like if you're grabbing onto the right, boat for okay. like assistance or things like that. Um, and you grab the nutrition from the kayak, but if you were like to grab onto the kayak or like you know hold it for an extended amount of time, no like sticky bottles like, like, they like do doing sand, the tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just that. gonna say
3: no <laughs> sticky bottles. No, it's uh uh. D- 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 well, the super like competitive distance swimmers will do like a a true like a swim feed. They're like they're like backstroking, feeding things like that. Yeah, don't be crazy. Like, you stop to feed, but I mean, it's very quick, so it's not it's not. Yeah, like your it really feeds holds you are back.
0: like maybe like fifteen seconds. Maybe 30 seconds. Um, sometimes the observer or the kayaker would be like, hey, um, you know, some, some bridges coming up or we need to hit left of the pylons or we're going to go here. I'm going to direct you here. So we talk about lines sometimes. Um, that way we just we're both in sync on like where we were going to go, uh, which was helpful.
2: So with 20 bridges, did you, were you counting... Down? Or was that in your awareness?
0: I I tried. And then I got to like eight or nine. And then I, there's a couple bridges that are like right next to each other. And I was just like, is this one bridge or two? And so I was like, two bridges, one bridge. And now you're in the thinking mind. Yeah. And then I I just couldn't. And then my kayaker was feeding me and he just happened to mess up a little bit. Um, And so I was trying to calculate my time based upon what my feeds were, but I couldn't. I couldn't keep up. So I was just like, oh, I'll just keep swimming and I'll singing, get there. Songs. singing songs. I was really just entranced by New York itself because I'd never been there. So I was seeing all of these buildings I'd seen in movies or like seeing these bridges I'd seen in movies. And so I was just like so captivated by the landscape of of New York that I, uh, my neck at some point just started to get way more fatigued than normal because I was just cranking it, trying to look at the buildings. Could you see like Statue of Liberty and all of that? Uh-huh. As soon as we rounded the, the kind of the corner and swam under the last bridges on the Hudson, this is George Washington, right? Mm-hmm. And so you start to come up and then you can see her in the, in the distance. And I was like, Oh, I've, ah, I've been waiting for you. You, you like basically start
3: and finish near Statue, Statue You start of Liberty at Battery Park, which is like
2: pretty close to there. So she's your start and finish.
1: Yeah. That's amazing.
2: Did you, <laughs> this is kind of an odd question, but did you run into anything in the water?
0: No, I didn't. I, the only <laughs> like thing. Anything
2: physically? No,
0: I guess like, and people like were like, oh, you might hit things or there might be like stick. I hit like a stick a couple times, but I didn't hit any type of like jellyfish or like any type of like weird things. People always make fun of the Hudson. They're like, you know, look for the dead bodies. Um, but I didn't come across anything weird. I thought the water quality was really good on that day, honestly. <laughs> Matt, I think Matt were saw anything. some stuff, but they
3: weren't going to tell me. Yeah, we we saw some stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we saw
2: some stuff.
3: It's a lot. Of, there's a lot of wood. Like I a lot of wood. Uh, like uh, that was probably the biggest. But we we might have seen uh, a dead rodent or two. Yeah. But you know, those are things we just kept to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> not nothing she needed <laughs> to know at that shimmy, time. Right? So it
1: seems like the everything like it just aligned. I mean. You had so much unknown, then windows opened, you stepped through them, you yeah. got to the next step, and, and um, I mean, if anybody was following that day, we really you made it look so incredibly easy. It wasn't even funny. But was there what was, the, was there a low point? Was there yeah. a challenging point, and what
0: did that look like? It was um, the, the lows for this event. didn't come close to Catalina. Catalina was a battle from the very beginning, but I also think Catalina made me so much more mentally tough that if I didn't do Catalina before that, this definitely still would have been the hardest thing I've ever done. Like Manhattan was still harder than Kona, harder than any Ironman I've ever done, but I just didn't have the lows that I did for Catalina. But I had the lows and kind of the self-doubt, which I try not to feed into, but like, you're going too slow. They're going to pull you. Like you're going too slow, they're gonna pull you. And you ask them, you know, like, am I am I on pace? And they don't want to tell you. They just just keep swimming. It's like, okay, but like, am I gonna get pulled? Like at any minute, they could just be like, hey, you're not making the pace. Sorry, you tried really hard. Go. And then I, you're just, you know, I would have just been crushed. Um. So kind of the just like nipping away of like, am I going fast enough? Is this gonna be enough? Am I gonna be enough to make this swim? the swim? Then the self doubt was kind of just like weighing on me a little bit. Um. Do you let that be there? Do you try and counteract it? do you what do you do? I just tell myself you don't have time for this <laughs> like you are wasting precious energy focusing on something that you cannot change because if you're not enough, then they'll pull you and you can say you tried and you just go on with your life like you're not a professional athlete. you don't get paid to do this. You finish this today or you don't finish it. Nothing really changes like you go back and you try it again so that was a little bit, um, that was kind of like a, I had some low moments mentally where I was just like, you need to get out of this. This isn't going to be helpful. But my body felt really good pretty much the whole time. A couple times where I had like a upside stitch or my arm started to get tight or my back started to get tight. But anytime you swim, you know, almost eight hours, that's just going to happen. It's just, your body's just going to get stiff.
2: This is not even in comparison, but I've done, you know, um, like 30 by 100s on a, on a set mm-hmm. interval, right? Um no yeah. actually my 100 by 100s, right? Oh, yeah. So I get to like 50 or 60 or 70 and it's like, oh, I don't know how my shoulders are going to physically turn over, but then something happens at 80, 85 where I'm just in a groove and I don't know if it's because I'm approaching the end. So did you feel like do you the feel that wind. like you don't yeah, maybe the second wind.
0: Yeah, as soon as I rounded, mm -hmm, you get to the very top and it gets very narrow up at the top of Manhattan. And it's very pretty because it's kind of like, like, not forest, but like unobstructed. It is, yeah. Yeah. And so it's very pretty, very stark contrast of like the hustle and bustle in the buildings of like downtown. And so you round the corner and then off in the distance, you see the last bridge. And you're like, oh my gosh, this like this is it. That's bridge 20. But then after that, you still have like 12 miles to swim. So it's kind of a mental like, okay, you're done with the bridges, but there's still 12 more miles to swim. So don't get too uppity because you, there's, you can still lose it in, this, in these 12 miles. Um, but you feed off that like, oh, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. And for New York, I could see where I was finishing, which is different from Catalina because it was so foggy. I could never see my finishing point. But I think the fact that I could just see where I was going to go was just like every stroke I was getting closer. And so I just kept feeding and following that momentum of like, oh my gosh, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Every feed, like, okay, one more feed down. I wonder how many to go kind of thing. So you just kind of get that snowball effect and you just start kind of feeling it. And my, my energy level was good at that point and everyone on the boat was really high spirits. And so it was just like, let's just get this thing done. They were just like, all right, like a couple more feeds, let's get moving. And I was like, okay, like this is it. We're, we're going to do this. How did the finish feel when you did it? Oh, it was so, it was so cool. You like, it's so, you're just like swimming up to this wooden pier and you can't really, I've only seen it one time. So I wasn't really knowing what I was looking for. So I stopped like 25 yards before it and they're like, keep swimming. And I was like, where am I swimming to? And they're like the wood. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I, you know, swam to it. I just remember putting my hand on like the pylon and being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just swam around the whole thing. Um, I just turned around and put my hands in the air and I was just like, this was a shot you wanted so badly. And I got it and it was just a really cool, you know, high-fived my kayaker. And by that point I had no idea my time. And so I was just like, well, like I put it all out there. I, I swam as hard as I could from start to finish. I didn't let off the gas one time, and I was like, whatever time that was, then I gave it my all. I, I couldn't have swam faster. What was your time? Seven hours and 27 minutes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> which we did a little math well, on that. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah,
2: what's that pace? It's um, under a minute. So it's for, definitely tide
0: assist. So oh, I, yeah. yeah, you have a crazy tide pretty much the whole way. There's maybe like a section you don't. It comes out to like 5,300s yeah. for 28 miles. Yeah.
3: We, we were
1: 50, so 53 <laughs> three seconds, seconds per, per 100.
0: 100
1: yards yards yeah, for 28 and a half miles, which tide assisted, yeah, you do is have a tide. Freaking 100%. epic, though. Can I just <laughs> it's, say it's a very like, good yes, time. tide, but if it was tide assisted to me, I might be pushing like I don't know, three minutes, 15 seconds per 100 yards. <gasps> That's amazing. What's the record? I looked up the male record because at one point I was like, I gotta find the record.
0: She's my take the record today. No, I think it, it's very high sixes. I want to say, um, and it was done by I think a prof- professional, former professional swimmer. I think said it. Um, but with that swim, it really depends on the day and the weather. And I mean, like you know, like you can be a really good swimmer and just have not as good of a day, and then you're looking at like you know high sevens, whatever. But yeah, it was it was just a really good good day good water It mm-hmm. was an amazing amazing accomplishment yeah. uh,
1: so we can say what's next but uh, it looks like the English Channel is on
0: your calendar for 2021 yep September September 14th um, oh okay September 14th we got a date <laughs> September 14th wow. to September 19th is my swim window for the English Channel mm-hmm. wow alright
1: so we'll have you back again I'm sure because you will be successful at this as well. That will be the finale. Finale of the Triple Crown. The Triple Crown. Not the Sabrina not the finale. Sabrina.
3: No, it will not no,
1: there will be more and more and more coming from you, I'm sure. Um, congratulations. Thank you. It's really amazing. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to know you. And uh, we're really grateful that, that you're sharing the story here today. Also, you guys are I want to switch gears totally. You guys are also owners of Play Try here in Oceanside, and I just want to um give a little bit of airtime for that because I know that bike sales are crazy and people are really trying to find inventory and they're having trouble. So do you have inventory, Matt? Can people buy bikes from you? What's happening?
3: Yes, I have some inventory. <laughs> and if you want something, just give us a call. What we'll do you make carry? It so we carry Scott, Cervelo, and Argonne 18 for bikes. Wetsuits we have Orca in Zone 3. Um, but we try to keep a nice, healthy inventory of like bike accessories, swim accessories, run accessories, uh, for sure triathlon accessories, although we haven't really had triathlon in 2020, so we've kind of limited that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2020 has been crazy times for all of us, but the bike industry has seen a huge surge in sales. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been cool, but it's also allowed, like, it's been more, uh, it's been, it's not been like a nine to five, but it's been a little more consistent, which I think helped a lot with the swim this year because it enabled us to like allow Sabrina to focus. She had a very, that eight weeks was like so structured. Like those Friday swims would be like Friday swim, Sabrina goes home and takes a solid nap. And then like, we would have dinner that night, but like. So kind of that balance worked out really well of like the store uh, doing great, and I was able to really focus on that, and then Sabrina was able to. Um,
0: I was I really could pretend like, that I was a professional athlete for eight yeah, weeks. it was yeah. great,
3: and and the store for sure helped with that, and so. Yeah. Um, Time of my life. Shout out to all those customers that uh, (laughs) bought bikes in that eight weeks. You helped Sabrina in this swim, so
1: appreciate (laughs) you. (laughs) And do you? Are you still doing like your Saturday rides, or what's going on with that? And yeah, so we just brought that back
3: with with uh, California kind of changing their uh, regulations and things like that. Uh, We kind of were going. We were just kind of trying to go with the gyms in that sense. Not that it necessarily was like an indoor thing, but we actually just had our first one in a while yesterday uh with a uh, nutrition brand called png who came out and we had like 45 people it was a it was a it was a sweet ride and uh it was a lot of fun um so yeah so we'll definitely bring bringing those back um we're kind of just undecided on if we're going to do like every week i think we're going to do every week for right now um we just need to make sure that things continue to trend positively with covid and obviously uh we are not interested in like trying to uh upset uh anybody so we're just kind of trying to do our thing and um yeah but that's we're doing that uh we still do we're still doing training um as i'm sure you guys have talked about a lot with um yogi triathlete and things like uh training in 2020 is just super weird so keeping contact um but it's there's also an opportunity i think there's a lot of opportunities uh, to like really grow as athletes, whatever your sport is. Practice swimming, your
0: weaknesses. Yeah.
3: Swimming gross amounts of miles, biking, um, biking differently, running. Like there's so many cool opportunities out there that a lot of times don't involve an event. Uh, mm-hmm. like you can, you can do, uh, some sort of crazy adventure that you've thought about. So, um, uh, yeah, that's really what we've been like trying to push to people and trying to focus on and then kind of the ultimate crazy would be Sabrina's crazy swim.
1: (laughs) And so local people can come up and join you guys for those rides. Where can they find out info about it on the website or Instagram?
3: Yeah. uh, We have a website, playtryoceanside.com. We post the most like event stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, It's just the quickest way to get things out to the masses in that sense. Um, But you can always come by the shop. Uh, We're right on the edge of Oceanside and Coast Highway. Um, yeah, Oceanside and Carlsbad on Coast Highway, um, and we're open Monday through Saturday. And we, uh, yeah. So that's us. That's what we're doing.
1: Awesome. And Sabrina, if people have questions about marathon swimming or open yeah. water swimming or uh, the smoothies from Trader Joe's over the <laughs> insurers
0: uh, or
2: the zinc uh, sunscreen, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: how not to burn or Doug, how to yeah. create. A how, can they, uh, how can they find you? Um, They can find me on Instagram, uh, Houston underscore, we have a mermaid, um, (laughs) or on Facebook, uh, just Sabrina Houston. And yeah, I'm an open book. I talk to people all the time who are just like, how do I get started? What are the logistics? I want to do Catalina, what's the first step? Um, And so the marathon swimming community is really cool in the fact that everyone's just like super open and they're like, this is what works for me, take it or leave it you know, like not married to anything. So um, yeah, I've always, I will always just answer questions or hop on the phone with people and whatever knowledge I have, I will share it with whoever wants to hear it. So awesome! awesome. I'm I book. love that mindset.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no need to hoard our secrets. Let's nope. share them. <laughs> Let's let everybody be successful. Power of the minds. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. Yeah, thank Thanks, you guys, guys for having us.
3: Thank you.